Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone about kids departing the faith they were raised in. You can learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. Well, here we are in late December, and for a lot of people, it's resolution time. Uh, I've been somebody, somebody who's written down resolutions, but oftentimes failed to keep those resolutions. How about you, Jeff? Oh, I think I've failed far more often than I've succeeded. <laughs> right. Okay. And why do you think that is? You know, I think... <laughs> Um, for me, at least personally, it's been, sometimes I don't have the self-discipline to get it done. Um, sometimes, uh, the goal may be even misplaced. Uh, I think many times, uh, as we were talking before, uh, rarely have I actually written them down. Mm-hmm. So I know you were talking a bit about that and your experience in coaching people. Sure. What's your recommendation? I think the key is not only writing them down but writing them down in a particular format. So the format would be like goal setting in order to fill in the blank, become a better parent. Okay. I will by January 10th, visit revivefamily.com and learn what I need to learn. I will enroll in a program to become a better. All right. An easy one is like losing weight. The people always tell me, yeah, I'm going to take off 25 pounds. I have a friend who struggled for the last seven or eight years to take off 100 pounds. He weighs almost 300. He would be really comfortable about 185, 190. But he doesn't write it down. And I think if he said, I will write down in order to lose 100 pounds, I will do the following. Beginning such and such a date, I will adjust my diet in these ways. I will, by this date, speak with a counselor who can help me. And I think using resources, outside resources, getting other people involved is key to success. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, whether we have that self-discipline issue or sometimes I found we even target maybe the wrong thing. Mm. We target losing weight when there's something going on inside us that compels us right. to run back to that food cupboard every time something triggers in us. Go get the comfort food. Right. Yes, and then the all of a sudden, and so we yeah. may be targeting the weight loss and trying and self-discipline and control, and then mm-hmm. there's something going on inside that short circuits our mm-hmm. arrival at that point. And I mm-hmm. know for me, especially after I lost my company and about $6 million of other people's money and my confidence collapsed, there were a mm-hmm. whole bunch of things in my life that I wanted to change, mm-hmm. but I was so wounded. There was no way until I turned and dealt with Mm-hmm. the storm within, mm-hmm. that a lot of the things that were going to mm-hmm. change with interaction with my wife, with my kids, there were a lot of things I wanted to change that I fell short of in those years. Mm-hmm. I think also when it comes to writing resolutions, uh, they need to be achievable and uh, 
certainly can't set expectations too high. Small segments of accomplishment lead to success, I think, in, in keeping resolutions. Right. Over the last year, I've lost about 25 pounds, and that was targeting two pounds a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, it included at least ex- getting to the gym two or three times a week. Okay. And uh, that was successful because it was very small, incremental goals. You built in steps right. specifically in probably time-bound. Within yes. this time frame, I will accomplish the following. Right. Luckily, yes. I had a video shoot to to do this summer for our new influential parenting program, and that was a great motivator because the camera adds ten to fifteen pounds. So I knew I had to at least get <laughs> twenty five off. So, <laughs> well, I think as as I contemplate how the last year has gone and how the new year will likely go. I typically have on my list, I need to slow down. I need to be more patient. In relationships, I need to be kinder kinder and gentler and more giving. Those are kind of hard ones to, to handle without a daily review of those. Maybe a, a review when you're up in the morning. And if you, at least if you have a spiritual beginning of some prayer and some scripture and so on. But uh, the Bible certainly has some guidelines for us on how we can resolve to be better, to realize our potential. Right. I think one of the things that really has struck me in my journey is that um, when I was encountering that numbness, when I was not as caring and as loving as I desired to be, when I wasn't connecting with people deeply and had friends on the surface, um, I was frustrated with myself, uh, felt lonely a lot, and um, wanted to make changes, just couldn't. And it was because I kept trying to change myself. I kept trying to make it all happen in my own life. You know, that old pull yourself up by the bootstraps Mm -hmm. mentality, you know, discipline, control, accountability. But all those things are external. They're all external things we do to try and make an external change. But what was amazing for me was when I discovered in the studies and the research and working with all these kids that what was missing was the Holy Spirit. The kids um, would literally say, the Holy Spirit, how do I know when the Holy Spirit's talking to me? They had no clue, and they kept disappointing themselves. They kept trying to make the changes their parents were asking, and oftentimes the parents didn't see that they were making those trying to make those changes. But more importantly, the kids kept falling short and they were frustrated and they came to the conclusion that they weren't going to change. A lot of the kids I sit down and talk with, even by age 12, 13, 14, have decided this is who I am and I can't change. Mm. And yet I found that that's actually not who they are, that they were created very differently. But then things happened in their life. Dance got in their can. They ended up crushed and losing their motivation. And then they conclude, this is who I am. I can't change. And it's because they're not looking to the proper change agent. They're looking to themselves or their parents are trying to be the change agent. But the Holy Spirit's so important. So as I look at New Year's resolutions this year, is it weight loss or is it I'm going to make a spiritual resolution to make the Holy Spirit an active part of my life? Mm-hmm. So as a coach and counselor, do you gather a family around? and talk about spiritual resolutions that they might make to grow closer 
Well, what I expand as a family. Yeah. Well, what I've found is as parents implement influential parenting and go through the implementation process, there's actually a family meeting where everybody sits down and describes, writes out on three by five cards. And this would be a great exercise to do in during the Christmas week in between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's, write down on three by five cards, everybody in the family, what they'd like their family to be like. Phrases, one word, descriptions mm-hmm. of what they'd like the family to be like, how they'd like the family to interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Then take all those inputs, put them down on a, on a whiteboard or on a computer screen and, and then look at them and write out a statement. This is who we want to be as a family. Mm-hmm. And then go around the circle and let everybody self identify what they need to change to make that a reality. Mm-hmm. Then maybe make that your resolution, but not just in your own power but looking to the Holy Spirit because he plays so many roles in our lives that we haven't necessarily been taught. Mm-hmm. That's been absent, you're saying, in the parenting process, maybe even in the education process. If you, uh, I don't know, I would like to think that uh, at Christian schools, there's a good amount of instruction that the Holy Spirit is here and here's how you make connection and here's what guidance you receive. I'd love to believe that too, <laughs> but from my research uh, and being out in many case. Christian schools around the country, that wasn't the case, and it wasn't the case for my own seminary degree. I had an entire seminary class on pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but not once did we look at, during that class, the roles the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. And I find that really shocking because there's this passage that I think you know we think about some maybe more at Christmas than other times. And it said, it says this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. He's talking about the disciples. This is Jesus talking. Mm-hmm. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things you, you to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Hmm. What I found interesting about that, and I found very true in my life, was the fact that when um, we get hurt, when we don't process the challenges that come our way, in the way God designed, our hearts can get filled with sorrow, just like the disciples here. And it's fascinating that when we get filled with sorrow, I know for me, I did not focus on the right things. I focused on all the wrong things. And I would argue that the disciples are making that unintentional error. You're, you're moved there by what's going on inside. It's not an intentional decision to ignore Jesus and not ask the question, where are you going and why are you going there? But if they'd asked that question, their sorrow would have been diminished dramatically. They didn't even think to ask the question. And for me, that was definitely the case. Um, And it wasn't until I turned and looked at what was going on inside and the sorrow that had filled my heart that I started to realize I wasn't focused on the right things. I wasn't seeing the right things. Negativity had creeped in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had been a bit jaded by some of the You were managing it on your own, just trying a little harder. You needed the helper. Oh, I needed the helper. And that's what I love about this passage is it's to your advantage that I leave and the helper comes, which means, great, Jesus does give us forgiveness. He, we celebrate this amazing time called Christmas that we just had, you know, a few days ago. And yet 
we then celebrate Easter, maybe lower on the list when he's when he dies and he's raised from the dead, but I can't recall ever celebrating when the helper came. And yet it's the helper that's with us every day. It's mm-hmm. he who's supposed to guide us, heal our hearts. He serves as a buffer between us and God related to our shortcomings so we don't have to be perfect. He convicts us of right and wrong. He grants us patience. He grants us self-control. The Spirit even pours love into our hearts. And so for me, when I was in that place of really struggling and numb and not connecting with people, because I was wounded, I was protecting myself, and I wasn't really giving the Holy Spirit access to do the work He wanted to do in my heart to fill me with love, to give would, me self-control, to give me patience. And that would be a spiritual resolution. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could look at what I would recommend for a New Year's resolution this year, it would be to consider making a spiritual resolution rather than just a surface resolution, something that goes deeper that can change many things in your life as opposed to beating our head against a brick wall trying to conjure change up in ourselves. You're listening to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More in a moment on Spiritual Resolutions. If you're intrigued by the content in this radio program, I want to encourage you to visit revivefamily.com and sign up for our free webinar. If you desire to have the type of influence in your kids' lives that will have them asking you for advice, please explore our research and the key concepts behind influential parenting. It's available now online. You can sign up for free today and begin watching by going to revivefamily.com forward slash webinar. That's revivefamily.com forward slash webinar. Welcome back to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We're talking today about resolutions, specifically spiritual resolutions. Um, As I think back on resolutions that I've made and even discussing resolutions with other people, there's always been very much a head focus. I'm going to get this figured out myself. I don't need any more help. And your sense is we need a heart focus rather than purely a head focus. That is what I've been seeing as I work with families across the country, that it's more about everyone in the family having a change of heart rather than trying to control themselves more. When our heart opens to the Holy Spirit, when he begins to work, when we hear the still, quiet voice and we respond to his his nudgings of right and wrong, it makes a huge difference in relationships. And you know, we need that love. We need that compassion when we live together every day. We need the grace that the Holy Spirit offers us so we can pass it on to others within our homes. Because really, it's grace that makes relationships last and function and and stay close. Um, when we get stuck in the head, we get stuck on right and wrong. And we tend to beat each other up with who said what and who did what and what was right and what was wrong. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves distancing. And relationships get cold. They get distant. They get hard. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not easy. As I think about writing down some resolutions for myself this year, um, I certainly would would talk about, uh, even though I think I'm okay or pretty good at relationships with family and friends and coworkers, one of my challenges I think sometimes is with strangers. I really want to be friendlier and more welcoming, whether I'm you know, waiting in an airport or seated next to somebody on a plane. Uh, 
Yeah. What do you think? I think as I started to rely more on the spirit, not did it, it made a huge change in my family and with my coworkers. Everybody noticed the change. But what was really fascinating was when God started twanging my heart and telling me to help people broken down on the side of the road or to pick up hitchhikers. And I'll never forget this one day going across the Indian Reservation in northern Arizona, out in the middle of nowhere, there's this really gruff looking about 53-year-old Native American. And the Holy Spirit goes twang in my heart, stop and pick him up. And I honestly drove past. I'm like, no, not him. And then the twang hit again. And I literally had to do a U-turn and go back a half mile and really? pick him up. And when I pulled up, you know, he stuck his head down to see inside the car and and he saw, his, you know, his white guy <laughs> and he got nervous. He didn't really want to get in the car and he finally got in the car. And as we were driving a few minutes later, he goes, are you a spiritual man? And I said, well, I think I might consider myself to be a spiritual man. And he then said, well, you know, can God forgive me? And I said, of course he can. And he said, no, not me. The things I've done are so bad. And I shared some of the bad things I'd done and how I believe God had forgiven me. And he's like, no, that my stuff is way worse. And so I shared some biblical stories, David and Bathsheba and other things that he goes, oh, those don't hold a candle to what I've done. And he goes, so I know God can't forgive me. And I said, you know, I really know he can because of his death on the cross. And because he sent this amazing person called the Holy Spirit to come in and actually repair our hearts. And after a while of going back and forth, he broke down and said, fine, I'm going to tell you. And I said, tell me what? And he's like, well, I've never told anybody this before. He's 53. He's separated from his wife and his kids. Uh, he's been on and off of drugs constantly. Um, through for 40 years in and out of VA hospitals with VA psychiatrists and counselors. And he goes, you know, I, when I was 19, I was in Vietnam and I was with one of those patrols that did things we shouldn't have done in the villages. And he goes, one day, you know, our platoon commander ordered us, lieutenant ordered us to line up all the villagers, men, women, and children. They were kneeling in front of us, and this had happened before. But that day, kneeling in front of me was an elderly woman who was praying. And I knew I shouldn't pull the trigger and shoot her. But when the order came, I pulled the trigger. Because if I didn't, they'd be convinced that I would was turning soft and would turn everyone in. And they would have killed me in the jungle on the way back to our base. And so I pulled the trigger. And he said, that night, I went out when we got back to camp, uh, to our base. He said, I took my service revolver. I went out in the jungle, took my service revolver, put it in my mouth, pulled the trigger, and it didn't go off. And I've never seen that happen, the service revolver. So I know God has a purpose for my life but he can't forgive me. And that led to this amazing conversation for another two hours that resulted in me dropping him off in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he got on a payphone and called a friend to come get him because he had a job as an iron worker working on a new building there. And it was interesting. Three days later, he calls me and he goes, Jeff, will you take me pick me up when you come back through and take me to Kayenta. I want to tell my sister. His sister was actually a pastor in a church in Kayenta, and I had really encouraged him to walk in the light 
with that sister. So I did. And about three months later, I got a call from him and he's all excited. He said, my whole life has changed because of you. He said, I'm back with my wife and my kids. They finally understand why I've struggled so much. And by the way, I haven't touched drugs in three months. That's the longest stretch in my entire life. Everything's changed because of our conversation and God's forgiveness. And that's why I'm saying the Holy Spirit and having a spiritual resolution is so important. As I'm convinced, we walk by appointed times with our kids constantly where they need to share, where they need to talk, where we need to be filled with grace and mercy that only the Holy Spirit can fill us with so that they'll open up and share what they need to share. I've seen it with strangers on planes, trains, and automobiles. I've seen it with my own kids. And that's why I'd really encourage everyone to make a spiritual resolution this year as opposed to a let's lose weight. Because bottom line, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he gives us the self-control. He gives us the patience. It says that's the fruit of the Spirit. And it can make everything in our life so much easier if we'll turn, face the stuff in our side that drives us to do things and let the Holy Spirit, it says in Romans 33, circumcise our hearts. Is that painful? Oh, yeah. Circumcision is not an unpainful thing. I've been to two with my boys. I've watched them cry as infants. But the reality is when we turn and clean out the insides and give the Holy Spirit room to run, amazing things can happen in our lives. It sounds to me like you're recommending that people write a resolution, that they reach out to a stranger that might be hurting. I mean, you're not going to randomly pick up people, but you felt moved by the Holy Spirit to turn that car around and go back and pick up this Native American. That has happened many times with the entire family in the car at 10 o'clock at night on the same Indian reservation we've done that. My wife has been led to stop and help people on the side of the road. Men, pick single men up on the side of the road and taking them on because when the Holy Spirit's leading us, we know we're safe. And that's the, the strange part of this whole journey. If I'd make a New Year's resolution, it wouldn't be, I want to be nicer to, to this type of person. It would be, I want to let the Holy Spirit run loose and free in my heart. I want heart healing to happen so that he can pour love into my life, into my heart. And that love will spill over, not just to our families, not just to our friends, but also to strangers. And that's why I find myself talking with women on planes for three and a half hours and they're crying and they go... I've never shared this with anyone before. And I'm like, I know it happens to me all the time now. Um, never happened to me before the spirit was running free and gave, I guess, people around me a sense of safety, even with a stranger on a plane. Well, you're a heart healer. And uh, certainly that's what is part of your coaching and your counseling. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, so many of the parents and the kids I work with are carrying around lead weights in their chest. And they're wondering why they're struggling and not enjoying life and not happy. And it's because we haven't really been trained in our Western culture, in our Western church, to clean out our insides get on a regular the pain basis. and the hurt, get it out there. Right, which yeah. can weigh down the holidays. I remember in those years after my company went down, for years afterwards, I'd go into the holidays wanting to be filled with joy and contentment and peace. And, and every year I would be aching inside and, and struggling to put on the happy face, even for my little kids at that point in time. 
um, it was so wonderful when I got the freedom that the Holy Spirit did that heart surgery in me. And now I let him run. And uh, he asked me to do some crazy things sometimes. Does the trust develop between you and a stranger because you are so open and willing to hear their story? Is that part of the secret? It's part of it is me sharing my story openly sharing your and story. very transparently. Okay. Part of it is just the sense of calm that the Holy Spirit brings into those times where they f- end up feeling that calmness. Um, you know, I'll never forget with that Native American in the middle of that conversation, um, after he told me his story, he actually pulled a big knife out of his boot. And um, he said, I, I felt safe for having this here when I got in the car, but now I feel safe for having this in the backpack. And he zipped open his backpack and stuffed it down in and zipped it shut. Mm-hmm. And as he's stuffing it in, he goes, you can do a lot of damage with a knife like this if you know how to use it. And I'm thinking, wow, God. Um, I mean, it led to a miraculous outcome, but when he pulled that knife out, I, I won't, you know, uh, my heart did take a jump yeah. or two in my chest. But right? you transformed a life. Oh, God, no, a God transformed a life. sharing stories. I God was changed. just a yeah. tool that the Holy Spirit used at that point in time. Amazing story. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We hope you've got some good tips on a spiritual resolution that you would like to make for this next year. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.